Before we get started with today's episode, I just have to say as a disclaimer that none of what I say in this podcast is actual advice. If you really feel like you have a mental health disorder or are dealing with anything personally, please seek out professional help. And again, none of what I say in this podcast is actual advice. So thank you guys, and let's get started with today's episode. Actually, just one more thing before we get started is if you guys enjoy the Sum of Life podcast and this show and the content that is produced here, please head over to Apple Podcasts, either on your phone or laptop, and give this show, Sum of Life, a five-star rating and review. It helps the show tremendously and helps to reach more listeners. So thank you guys, and now we can get started. Hello and welcome to the Sum of Life podcast. I'm your host, Liam Scully. In today's episode, I had Dan Walsh on the show with me to discuss what it is like to be an EMT, also known as an emergency medical technician. We talked about EMTs, EMS in general, paramedics, and we also talked about a couple hard things, a couple difficult topics and conversations, especially recently. I really wanted to ask and learn more about how EMTs or paramedics could help facilitate some police interactions if it had anything to do with psychiatric cases or anything of psychiatric involvement. And Dan really surprised me with his answers. I had no idea that EMTs and paramedics go through mental health training already, at least the company that he works for, and I'm assuming others do as well. And they do it so rigorously, and that was pretty inspiring to hear. I had no idea that they do that. And you know, something like that really might actually be able to change the landscape in which we find ourselves currently in the United States. And I was just really happy that Dan was willing to have these types of conversations and topics to talk about with me. And I found this to be an extremely fruitful and useful conversation. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Dan Walsh. All right, so I have uh, Dan Walsh with me today to discuss some mental health topics and in relation to being an EMT and... Yeah, so Dan, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, my name is Dan Walsh. Been an EMT since this January. Uh, took this year off of school because of all the COVID stuff, so I started training uh, to become an EMT in September. Passed my exams uh, late December and then started working in early January. Nice. And uh, I guess first, you want to talk about like what, what kind of training you have to go through to be an EMT? Yeah. How long um, it takes? Yeah, so there are various courses. Um, there are courses short as 18 days and there are courses that go months long. Mine was a three-month course from September to early December, and that was two days a week. Um, one day a week was online through Zoom because of all the COVID stuff with basic classroom um, lectures and stuff like that. We'd go through chapter by chapter, taking tests every week based on the previous uh, the material we went over the previous week. And then Sundays, that was all our practical skills, like setting up oxygen tanks, performing CPR, applying splints, tracking splints, all that kind of fun stuff. And both of those days were about eight hours long. So it was like 16 hours a week in classroom and then whatever time you took out of that to read your book and study other material, all that kind of fun stuff. Wow. And does that, does that prepare you for like a, how long is a typical work week for an EMT or like, what does the schedule look like? So what's nice and kind of the thing I like, especially with my busy schedule outside of work, is it's super, super flexible, at least for my company. 
you, I worked for a private ambulance company in the greater mm-hmm. Boston area. You kind of pick your hours. Um, there are shifts as short as six hours, shifts as long as 16 hours um, for EMT basics in the state of Massachusetts. If once you get to the paramedic level, you can start doing like 24 hour shifts. But yeah, basically you can kind of pick your shift to start whenever. I've had, I have shifts that start at nine o'clock in the morning. I have shifts that start at six o'clock in the morning, but there are shifts that start at like 11 o'clock at night. So you can kind of tailor it to whatever life you have outside of work. Oh, that's really um, nice. But yes, and some people work one day a month, other people work in a full-time plus. So it's really flexible to kind of what your lifestyle suits. And then like your company, how many EMTs do you think there are in just oh, your I company? Couldn't, couldn't even guess. Um, we have, I'm employee number around 5,000. Wow, um, that's insane. I know people that were just getting hired um, recently they're up to like 5,500, 5,600. So, wow. I mean, yeah, we're, we're hiring a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of turnover. That's just generally how EMS kind of works. Um, yeah. yeah. A lot of people get into it for different times of reasons. Some people are making their career out of it. Some people use it for school. Um, but yeah, I couldn't even put a number on it because we have multiple bases all over the state. Yeah. Wow. That is a, I was not expecting that number actually. No, it's pretty it's, crazy. It's, yeah, you could work with one person one day and never see them again for the rest of your career. <laughs> wow, that is insane. Yeah. I, I was going to ask that. I mean, like, how many do you think are actually full-time? Um, like, even if you could break it up into percentages? Oh, yeah. Um, full-time, probably 20%. A lot of people have it as a second career as a way to, like, make a little money. Um, other people mm-hmm. use it for grad school requirements. And yeah, so I, I think probably 20 to 30% would be full-time and the rest are per DM or part-time. Yeah. I remember, and I'm not sure about uh, in your high school, but my high school experience, like so many of my friends, not a lot of them, but a decent amount were doing like EMT work, which they did like, I don't know, maybe one or two days a week. Like it was actually pretty yeah. popular. Um, no, it's and- uh, a lot of young kids in it, which is surprising. I thought it'd be all like career people but a lot of it's young students kids yeah even like like 16 right yeah uh i haven't met anyone that's 16 um because i think you have to have your license for at least massachusetts oh maybe it was 17 then or older but yeah definitely a lot of college kids a couple of kids that are just graduating high school now but yeah 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 i do remember i can't believe i remember that from high school but <laughs> yeah there were like 10 kids from uh from my high school that were doing it, and they were pretty young so i was surprised um yeah and you also mentioned when you get to like paramedic level, I actually always just assume that EMT and paramedics were the same thing, but do you, uh, could you explain the difference? Yeah. So, um, EMT learned, uh, basic life support skills, and this is all going to vary from state to state based on like the scope of practice that the state allows, but for Massachusetts, that's stuff like CPR, um, giving oxygen, fixing splints, stopping major bleeding, that kind of thing. Paramedics are what they um, call advanced life support. So they have all the skills that uh, BLS providers have, but they also have advanced cardio type stuff. So they have like EKGs, mm-hmm. which is actually reading um, the electrical impulses in the heart. Um, they're allowed to push a lot more medications like through IVs or intramuscular uh, injections. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so they have all the skills we have, and then they have a lot more medications um, that they can used to assist those basic life support skills. So when, when like an EMT is called, say someone like me actually just doesn't know the difference and yeah. uh, they call you guys, is, does there always have to be a paramedic with you? Or like, what does a squad no. t- typically consist of? Like, or how many people or? Yeah. 
So there's a few different ways it can happen. There's very typical EMT will work with another EMT. Typically a paramedic will work with another paramedic, but there's also waivers and add-on courses that you can add. So if I'm an EMT, I can work with just a driver, someone that's not trained in EMS skills at all, and they'll just drive. I'll sit in the back and do whatever I have mm-hmm. to do. Same thing goes for the paramedic. They take an add-on course. Um, and then the EMT also has to take an add-on course to kind of fill in the gap between the EMT and paramedic level. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, you could see a paramedic work with an EMT um, after they take that uh, course. So it really depends, but the most typical pairing would be an EMT with an EMT, and a paramedic with a paramedic. I gotcha. And did you, as an EMT, were there situations where you ever have to like call in the paramedics because there was too much uh, of a situation? I've never had a call, uh, a paramedic assist. Um, that's actually a lie. <laughs> um, the other day, uh, we responded to a car accident. We weren't even called to, we were just driving. We saw it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were bystanders. They called 911. The local fire department showed up and they had their paramedics with them. So yeah, I've had a uh, paramedic assist me. Experience on the first call, I was assisting a paramedic unit for a heart attack. Um, oh, wow. so they called me in. Yeah. And I was doing a lot of the basic life support, like the classic CPR uh-huh. and they were doing the advanced life support where they were pushing medications to um, help the guy. So, wow. Yeah. Um, the, the basic number for an EMT, is it just part of 911 also? Yeah. Um, so there are different ways it goes down and honestly, a lot of our, um, work for my company's inner facility transport. So we, um, We'll take people from like a hospital to a rehab center or rehab center to hospital or hospital, hospital, that kind of thing. Um, But when we do respond to emergencies, our company has contracts with a bunch of uh, towns and cities um, Mm -hmm. to add on to their 911 system. Um, So if they have a 911 call and they can't respond for whatever reason or if we're closer, happen to be closer, um, they'll call us in and that's when we'll respond to a 911. Gotcha. And is there any like most common incident that you see typically uh, when you're Um, working as an EMT? Honest, a lot of it um, is that inter-facility transfer mm-hmm. to bring people from hospital to hospital um, for whatever reason, whether it's uh, upgrade of care, downgrade of care, um, yeah. just based on the patient's condition. For 911, it could be literally anything. It could be heart attacks, car crashes. Yeah. Um, I had a very elderly woman one time, like, break her arm, or I'm sorry, break her leg from a fall. Wow. Yeah, it can be a bunch of stuff. I've uh, had friends that responded to like impaled objects in the eye. So it kind of... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Right, <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, it's... Uh, it's I mean, that sounds crazy pretty crazy, but like, what was your crazy ex- craziest experience? Honestly, I think it had to... Uh, it was either that 99-year-old woman who broke her leg mm-hmm. or it was the car crash the other day because it was a pretty gnarly car crash. I can't get into the specifics too much, but... Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> The car windows were broken. Uh, basically, the passenger side uh, front is basically in the passenger side uh, seat. Like, that's how bad the car accident was. Um, we get there, the dude's standing up talking, perfectly normal, recalls almost everything. It was just crazy because of how insane the car crash was and how normal he was um, and how <laughs> how lucky he was for it. Like, yeah, wow. But, I mean, I guess everyone has different types of responses when that those things happen. Yeah, uh-huh. no, he, he was super lucky. He had one tiny cut on his pinky just based on the glass, but... Oh, my um, God, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, no, he was uh, beyond lucky. So, yeah, I think that was just the craziest in the sense that, like, I was expecting a lot worse when we finally got to him, but... Yeah. How many uh, on-duty 
calls have like you uh received you said you've just been doing this since uh january like yeah and yeah um so a typical shift like a typical eight hour shift will do probably four calls again most of it is inner facility transport um, and this is in like in like the city of boston right or uh for the most Um, part like around that area yeah so like we'll pick people up typically in boston or we'll bring uh, pick people up just outside of Boston, bring them to Boston, um, bring them to one of the Boston hospitals. But if we're bringing them from a Boston hospital, it can be anywhere from Maine to Nantucket to Rhode Island. Like mm-hmm. it's, it really depends on where the patient's coming from and what level of care they need after we're bringing them from wherever facility we're bringing them from. And how did you think your job changed, that, if at all, from uh, COVID? Did that impact it? Honestly, um, just in the sense that we need to wear a lot more PPE. Um, yeah. especially when dealing with a COVID patient, but um, being a healthcare job, I don't think, it, I think it was one of the few industries that weren't affected pretty much at all yeah. besides that PP because call volumes were relatively the same, maybe a little bit higher, but mm-hmm. um, nothing too crazy one way or the other. I think, yeah, as I said, I think it was probably one of the only industries not really affected in yeah. a negative way at least. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Um, yeah. And has there ever been times, and you don't have to get into this because I don't know how much you yeah. can really, but where uh, like a fellow worker of yours, it just seemed like it was too much for them? I haven't heard anything. Uh, I always just haven't experienced anything with a part- uh, partner that I'm working with, but I've heard partners of partners or that kind of thing where. Or like yourselves people... too, even. Yeah. Yeah, we can get into that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, from my experience, I haven't um, experienced anything firsthand, like with one of my partners, but I've heard of partners, partners that have taken off time. But for me, a lot of the, the hardest things aren't the like super traumatic incidents. For me, a lot of the hardest part is sometimes our psychiatric cases. Um, a lot yeah. of the times if they're younger kids, anywhere from like mid twenties to teenagers, cause like that's kind of my age range, I'm 20. Yeah. Those are the hardest ones for me, especially if the patient's super distraught about going to wherever they have to go. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, not to get into it again, but I have family members that I have a, had to go inpatient psych. Yeah. Um, so it kind of hits close to home. Those are the ones that I have the most trouble dealing with personally. But in those cases, do they normally tend to call EMT first or ask or like, like request for it? Or do they say, uh, like we just need help or something. And then EMT is requested at that, at that level. Yeah. So, um, a lot of the times we're taking patients from the emergency room to an inpatient psych, uh, psych hospital. In majority of cases, they're very cooperative with us. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of understand why they're going and where they are going. Most of them are distraught that they are perhaps going to an inpatient uh, psych facility and all the stigma and that kind yeah. of stuff mm-hmm. regarding that. But by the time we get to them after they've been settled down in um, the emergency room, they're pretty pretty cooperative and understanding with us oh oh, that's really good to hear actually yeah Um, no it's it's uh yeah pretty rewarding yeah yeah definitely and i mean this is difficult to talk about now um yeah but with everything going on with uh police officers and we don't have to get into any specifics with it but just generally speaking everyone probably knows the media and stuff um Are there times you think where it might be better that an EMT shows up at one of these situations? Um, I don't even know like a specific example, but somewhere along the lines of more to do with like a mental health crisis, someone seems just like 
pretty wild or something in the streets like if it was in boston or something instead of to call yeah. the cops to call like the emts uh since it's like something medical or something mental that they might know more about than a, a police officer might yeah um, um yeah. obviously a fine line and i'm not an expert in yeah mm-hmm. this whatsoever so um take it with a grain of salt but mm-hmm. i think it can be helpful because especially with all the news circulating yeah not everybody is always happy to see a cop and most of the time, if an ambulance shows up with the MTEs or paramedics, that's a good sign that at least it could be trending upwards. Um, yep. People are pretty receptive to ambulance drivers and EMTs and paramedics um, approaching the scene. So I think now, and especially with this day and age, I don't think it's the worst thing at all. And in fact, I probably think it's probably a good way to handle it. Um, but I think yep. there is that fine line of if it's maybe a public safety issue, there should maybe be uh, a police presence. But um, I think there's a pretty valid argument that EMTs and people who are more experienced in the medical side and the psychiatric side um, should be handling cases like this. Yeah, even just as like assistance maybe to a police officer. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it could work well, like show up complimentary, maybe the EMT yeah. or the paramedic, they make that first step where the police officer is kind of stepping back. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask that too. Because sometimes police officers do request like paramedics or EMTs. Uh, is that yeah. correct? Or yeah, and the same uh, same is true for the reverse. Sometimes the paramedics EMTs request yeah. the police presence. Yeah, and I'm actually not sure, but if if someone was pulled over and actually maybe both of us don't know this, but uh, yeah. could they request paramedics or EMT for like any reason? Yeah, I believe so. I think if I had to guess, I think the police officer. Um, they would be requesting our presence if they see it's a medical issue or a, um, yeah. something in that regard. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a situation um, maybe where someone's like really distressed and they're driving in like a frantic, frantic way and they get pulled over and they just tell the officer that, you know, I'm feeling this type of way or whatever or whatever's going on with them mentally. Yeah. Uh, if that would be something notable for the police to suggest to request like an EMT or or a paramedic or something. Yeah, I don't just to help calm them down anything. or something. Yeah, no, I don't believe there's anything stopping them from doing that if they see it fit. Yeah, if paramedics show up to uh, someone who's like has like a crisis like that, do you know what they would normally do, like with the person just to try to help them out? Yeah, um, so you're talking in the case of like a psychiatric. Yeah, like a psychiatric. Yeah, and let's just like take out the the. Um, like the dangerous aspect, let's just say it's someone just like freaking out in the middle of sure. the street and people notice they call 911. Yeah, I guess what what would happen in that situation? Yeah, so um, at least in my course, we were kind of taught how to deal with situations like this. Um, our first thought, our first goal in any situation, whether it be psychiatric or more medical, medically based, is to calm the patient down um, mm-hmm. because nothing good's going to happen if the patient's wound up, if they're anxious that's going to drive up their heart rate, their blood pressure. And that's not good for uh, a psychiatric case, or that's not good for a medical case. Mm-hmm. Um, so first step is to kind of just calm them down, um, introduce ourselves, say why we're there, what we're trying to do, what our goal is. Yeah, and just kind of establish a relationship on that front. And then um, I just like kind of specific stuff, but we were never told, or we're told to never um, to buy into a patient's delusions or to kind of yeah. affirm a patient's delusions. Yeah, that's a really um, good, uh, that's good that you brought that up. I didn't even know that was, that was taught, but that's a really good thing too. Yeah, 
Um, I think that's obviously for later um, psychiatric care where the ones, because I mean, we have a uniform, we show up with lights and sirens potentially. Yep. Um, we have some sort of authority. And if we kind of affirm someone's delusions, they can take that, they can buy into those delusions more. So that's yeah the way we were um, told to approach it, just try to calm everybody down, establish a relationship as a person to a person and um, kind of go from there. But yeah, don't, don't buy into delusions. Don't lie um, to them because if they catch you lying, then I mean, that's going to yeah have, that's make way it worse, worse probably. Than, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. so yeah that's kind of the protocol we were taught I think at the end of the day it's realizing that your person talked to a person mm-hmm. and this is the, probably this person one of their worst days um, yeah so just try to show some empathy and um, understand and just try to get them the help they, they need yeah no that's really great and that's why I bring it up too because I feel like training like that is really critical for people with like psychiatric conditions that they're probably just freaking out like they're really scared or whatever whatever is going through their mind. And I feel like that's all they need is just like people to come and calm them down. Uh, Cause I don't know if a bystander would do that uh, just willingly, uh, right. maybe it's cause they don't want to get into the situation or whatever. Uh, so that's actually really good to hear. Yeah. And yeah, I was telling uh, to the listeners, I was telling Dan before that we started this, that like Colorado implemented a thing that I believe is called the uh, star system where it's a, uh, pretty much actually doing just that and uh which it's like a mental health service instead of uh other types of first responders and which is why i wanted to talk to you about this because i i feel like if if the country wanted to do that as a whole that emts would be a great start since they're already implemented throughout the whole country um that maybe it would just take like a little extra training like you're already getting the training without even uh i guess being technically like a part of like a mental health system or something um not really yep. sure but yeah so that that's actually really awesome to hear yeah no like through our training we went through um like common psychiatric conditions like bipolar schizophrenia yeah um, that's awesome hypermedia all those stuff so um we have a little bit of exposure obviously if um we we're going to take on more of that role i'd like to see just a little bit of an increase in that education just so i know what i'm dealing with if i have to go to yeah. those calls more often if i'm seeing less common cases i'd like to get a wider breadth of knowledge but yeah um, no, i think that's we awesome. have a good start to kind of start tackling those things yeah because I, I mean i would guess uh especially after you saying that just your company alone has like five thousand, that other cities are probably looking at the same around the same numbers hopefully if their medical teams are like well equipped and everything yeah. um and is your is your company one of the bigger companies i would assume oh uh, yeah it's, it's up there yeah um, again i don't want to get too too specific but oh yeah yeah one of the main competitors and do you actually uh i don't know if you had answered this in one of the first questions but do you go through training again like every couple months or just to like re-up yourself or uh... yeah so we we do a um we like obviously take our initial course we take that initial test before you start working through the company you have to go through their onboarding process Mm -hmm. where they'll have um, just someone watching you as you interact with patients to make sure you're up to par to the company standards. And if not, they'll obviously give you the education you need. And then for my EMT certification, actually, to get it renewed, uh, it's a two-year cycle. That's how long the mm-hmm. license lasts. I have to take a certain amount of classes to get continuing education credits. And um, those can be taken for a variety of 
or you can take a variety of courses to fulfill those. Like there's um, like tactical, like uh, like terrorist response, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mental health classes you can take. There's just basic CPR. You can focus on pediatrics of kids or geriatrics, um, older, mm-hmm. older people. And you can kind of, whatever you feel you're lacking, you can take the course and that's a, get those continuing education credits to re-up your certification. Yeah, nice. And would you say that there were any like helpful uh, prerequisites that uh, something that you did that you didn't think would help, but ended up did helping you as an EMT? Let's see. I think just like basic schoolwork, knowing how to read a textbook, knowing how to listen to a lecture, um, mm-hmm. just basic study skills help a lot. I, I've been blessed with a really good education going up to college and then in college as well, where I was able to develop a pretty good solid set of study skills that prepared me for the test and the exam and all that kind of fun stuff mm-hmm. i was also a lifeguard obviously that oh nice pretty <laughs> applicable yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah that helped a lot not something i was not in the back of my mind i wasn't like all right i'm gonna be a lifeguard and then i'm gonna be an em2 so yeah a, something that ha- happened um so this is the question there and, yeah uh, yeah i don't know just being somewhat physically fit to yeah i was actually gonna ask that too does uh yeah. does fitness help at all or would you think that it was like kind of kind of required um it's required to a certain extent obviously you have to lift people upstairs you have to yeah. bring people lift the stretcher in an ambulance i wouldn't say it's a super necessary prerequisite but i think um fitness has a bunch of beneficial applications outside of just <laughs> yeah. lifting up barbell fucking oh sorry <laughs> no no you're Cut good you can say whatever you <laughs> yeah. want yeah. but uh <laughs> Yeah, I think this has applications besides just lifting weights in the room. I think you feel better on a day-to-day basis. You have higher energy levels and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Has uh, has jujitsu helped you at all uh, for, the, for the mental state, maybe? Not, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Dealing with pressure and even yeah. like wrestling. Just, I, I think I handle high-pressure situations pretty well, and I think I could credit that to wrestling, jujitsu, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and maybe um, just like MMA as a whole, right? Yeah, I know. And I, I've had patients where I'll see a shirt or see, like, if we go to a patient's home, I see, like, boxing gloves or jujitsu gear or whatever and start talking yeah. about it. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it just helps dealing with high-pressure situations, allows you to slow down and think because I practice that, how to slow down and think under high-pressure situations in jujitsu and MMA and wrestling all the time. Yeah, that's so exactly I think, uh, what I was going to attribute it to. Uh, the same yeah. thing. Like I uh, was super like nervous the first time I ever tried yeah. jujitsu. Uh, but after even just a month, like you feel really comfortable in, in such an uncomfortable position. Uh, yeah, some days literally trying to take yeah, it out. Tr- yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I thought that would be a good crossover f- for being an EMT. Yeah, uh, now that you bring it up, I think that's definitely, definitely applicable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, has there ever, do you ever have expectations for like what a call is going to be? And it just, uh, does it always turn out different than you think? Or or how, um, how does that usually go? I mean, <laughs> the uh, the first heart attack, that one was kind of a surprise because the only thing we yeah. uh, we saw was trouble breathing. And obviously you got there to do this and have a pulse and their paramedics providing wow. CPR. Yeah. And that was a bit of a shock. But yeah, I think the more more um experience i've gathered and more real life experiences obviously i have all the textbook knowledge but like seeing what it looks like in the field now and more more equipped to um make an accurate prediction walking into the scene yeah uh, well, obviously there can be some surprises but 
yeah, I think the more you learn and the more you kind of immerse yourself, the better prepared you are for what you are going to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Would you know the like average response time? I don't have access to that information. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I can't. They don't just send that to all the employees. (laughs) No, no. There's not a really leaderboard or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, like who was the fastest (laughs) responder this month? (laughs) No. But uh, generally, at least in my experience, like I literally saw that car accident last week as it happened. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the fastest response time I think you can see. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, typically, it's within at, at least 10 to 15 minutes. And I'd say that's probably on the high end. Yeah, I was thinking that was like the range, like 10, 15 or like less than 10. Yeah. Um, I, I, do you think a typical EMT would have pulled over during that car accident? Or like, are they obligated to? I would assume at least to some extent. Yeah, so if you have a patient with you, obviously your your goal is that patient. Yeah, that's we didn't have a patient with us. We just dropped someone off. We're obligated under the law to stop. And I'd hope that most EMTs would stop, but I was with my (laughs) partner and I've been working with him for a while. So we're just friends at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh he was driving. I was like, yo, pull over. He's like, What? Like he's like, dude, I totally forgot we're driving an ambulance. We were just hanging out in Rhode Island. (laughs) But yeah, no, uh yeah, no, he he would have stopped. I, I'm confident he would have stopped, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, of course. The expectation is that you do stop, and I think just as a person, if you have the means to help someone, I think you should. So yeah, that's really that's really good to hear too. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, like on like a day to day basis, how do you handle like those situations? Like, uh, especially even just mentally, like like these traumatizing or like what what I would think would be like traumatizing situations, like the heart attack that you described uh, that yeah. you had to respond to. And also, how do you, how do you think other people deal with this? Cause I mean, I, I would actually imagine that you're almost more well-equipped having like practiced like MMA for what is it now? Like more than like four or five years or yeah, about longer. Four years if you tie in the wrestling and all yeah. that stuff. But yeah. Like you said, you're, it might it might be easier for you to handle like difficult situations yeah i mean if you just want to talk about that yeah i think a lot of it is kind of how i frame the job and kind of why i at least tell myself i'm there i'm ultimately there to kind of make people's worst days a little bit better i feel i have a pretty good base of knowledge i feel like i understand or i can deal with high pressure situations pretty effectively I feel like I can do the job well. And again, that's why I'm there to try to make people's worst days a little bit better. So um, when I view it in kind of that lens, like, yeah, I'm going to respond to bad situations, car accidents, heart attacks, broken legs. But Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, that's kind of why I signed up to do the job. Um, And I think that helps a lot. I think another part that helps is I have another job outside of this. So I'm only working this like 30 hours a week. This isn't my full-time job. So, and I have a pretty good balance outside of it. I work out a lot. I eat good foods. I make sure I'm getting eight hours of sleep every night. Oh yeah, that's all really important stuff. Especially I would oh, assume especially huge. being an EMT. Um, huge. Um, yeah. and I think that's kind of one of the faults um, with EMS is just because by the nature of the job it is a 24 hour mm-hmm. emergency 2 a.m. But yeah, I think I'm fortunate enough where I've set my schedule where all my daytime or all my work hours are daytime hours and then I'm sleeping eight hours every night. I'm eating good, healthy food and yeah, working out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes why you see a lot of people that struggle with the day-to-day nature of the job is because a lot of people are pulling overnights where their sleep is compromised. Yeah. They're, 
getting fast food when they can. So I think um, by the nature of the job, it kind of makes it a little bit harder, but I don't know. I was, I, I always try to be conscious of that because I like this job and I'd like to keep this job for a while. So um, yeah, and even granted like 30 hours is uh, definitely not nothing. That's a, uh, that's probably like half your week or something or more. Um, yeah. Cause I would, I would think like full time is over 50 probably or somewhere around there. Yeah, rocking like 40, 50 hours, but and there are people yeah. that pull like 80 hours a week too. So, yeah, that is just wild to me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Uh, like you said yeah. too, I actually think that's great advice. Like, that's keeping a balance in life, uh, with anything, especially with a job yeah. like EMS or EMT and paramedic. That's got to be extremely important. Yeah, and I think sometimes what traps people is, um, they kind of take the job identity before their own personal identity yeah. like as they view themselves as i'm an emt versus i'm a person who also works this job um, yeah and I, I think it's kind of important to do that and not tie yourself to your work because i don't know i'm a self self-admitted uh workaholic <laughs> but uh i kind of try to spread out um i have a bunch of different commitments so i kind of try to spread out and keep that quality of life that i that i can so yeah, that's actually another great piece of advice. I think too many people yeah. do that with so many things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's just about it. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming on. Uh, no, if you, you want, me. if you want to leave like contact information, you can. You don't have to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like even like an e if if it's like an email or something. Yeah, I'll I'll probably do an email just because. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seriously though, I mean it. Like, thanks. Uh, you probably hear it all the time, and maybe you don't care that much, but uh thanks for doing what you do. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, it's um it sounds like a, an extremely important job and I I just learned a lot in just a 45 minute conversation that we just had. Um I'm good. Yeah, so uh thanks for thanks a lot for coming on talking about like difficult things and everything. I really yeah, no appreciate worries. it. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone wants to get in contact with me, uh, my email is dan d a n uh, period j period walsh w a l s h 2023 emt specific questions or um, interested in just whatever i do on it yeah perfect um yeah thanks again more information about this podcast or some of life in general can be found on instagram at some of life official or on twitter at some of life tweets and also please don't forget to give this show a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts if you did enjoy it again it helps this show tremendously and the show really is sponsored by you guys and that is probably the easiest way to help and for full information on some of life you can go to someoflife.org thank you to each and every one of you for listening and continuing to listen as we continue to grow and i will talk to you guys very soon i'll see you